If you have your Bibles this morning, Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24 is where we're going to be this morning. We're still talking about this divine process, uh, making decisions, making good decisions, and even being willing to make those mistakes. And today, we want to talk about trusting the process that God has put in place. Uh, so many times we want to do something, but we're just not sure about it, and we're just not sure how that process is going to work. So we want to talk about that today. And as we've talked in the past, decisions we make today determines what stories we tell tomorrow. Uh, who we are today is because of decisions made yesterday. Decisions we make today determine who we are tomorrow, and it just goes on and on. So it's important we understand how we make decisions because the decisions we make literally make us. But the problem is this. In today's world, it seems like people are becoming more indecisive every day. They just won't make decisions. So let me ask you the question, do you think you struggle with making decisions a lot of times? I do. You know, it's one of those deals, I think I've said it before, but I'm going to start when I ask Sandra where she wants to go eat, instead of asking her that, because it's always, I don't know, I don't care. I read it on Facebook, somebody said, instead of asking that, ask, guess where we're going to go eat? And the first place they guess, you're exactly right. You know, solves all kinds of issues. You see, there's more options in life. There's so many things out there we have to choose from. We're this illusion of perfection that we see in the papers and the magazines and in life. Social media has this idea of uh, we post these perfect pictures of everything that is happening. Uh, and then we look at our life. You know, here's these pictures and they're great and all this. And then I look at me and my life sucks, you know. It's just one of those deals. See, so many times kids are told what to do today, but they're never given the idea or the ability to decide what to do. In other words, you're going to play Little League, you're going to play this, you're going to do this, but they're never given the option of deciding. So if they want to play football and baseball, what do we do? You can do both. And they never decide on anything. You're going here, doing this, and they never develop this decision-making mindset. So what happens is we are kept so busy, but we're not committed to anything. Because we're too busy trying to accomplish it all. Somebody said this, an uncommitted life is always an unsuccessful life. And this is how the fear or the indecisive problem is actually impacting so many people today. We don't know the path. We don't want to misstep. I can't make a mistake. I can't make a bad decision because if I do, man, that's just going to ruin everything. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me this week. In fact, it just happened Friday. Some of you already know. I mean, you think your preacher's perfect, don't you? Preacher never makes a mistake, never does anything wrong. Well, Friday, well, Thursday, it started Thursday. They're going to put a deck on the front of the house because the front steps are leaning and we just need something different. So we're talking and the front had to come off and we need to do it before next Thursday. And I told Larry, if I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to do it on Thursday because it was nice on Thursday and it got hot Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Did that all day. Jack hammered all day. Got it pretty much done. Went to camp Friday. 
had the van, church van, because I had the jack hammer that I needed to get gas so Candy and Jimmy and Tracy could go get the VBS stuff, pull in, back in, get out, go throw something away. I'm walking towards the dumpster and I hear something behind me. I look back and the van is rolling backwards. Garage door's open. Garage door's open. But the driver's side door is still open. So I start running towards it, thinking I can jump in the van to stop it. And I get just close enough. It's like, nope, been on too many ambulance runs on that mistake. It didn't just hit the garage. It went clear through the garage. That front door now goes, I felt about that big. I felt stupid is what I felt like. Here's this idiot. So I call Scott. Scott, dude, I just met, you know. And I tell different people, Scott laughs at me. Tony and Larry laugh at me. Tony says, I'm going to tell people that you want to drive through a garage. The board said no. Kurt said, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Called the insurance yesterday. The insurance guy laughed at me. In the background, I'm hearing this laugh. I go, are you laughing at me? He goes, yeah, a little bit. And, you know, it's one of those deals. I'm over it. The van's not. Sometimes mistakes just happen. Sometimes it's part of what we do. It's maybe because of what we do. Maybe I didn't get it in park. Maybe I didn't put it in park at all. You know, I don't know. But it's fixable. And like I said, nobody was around. Nobody got hurt. Let me ask you this question as we get started. How do we become more decisive? How do we get this divine direction so that we don't make mistakes and we don't make bad decisions on purpose? How do we trust this process? In Acts chapter 20, Paul's making this emotional decision. And understand, Paul loves where he's at. He's in Ephesus. People were his. These are the people he brought into the church. These are the people he converted. These are the people that he has led. He felt at home. He could spend the rest of his life in Ephesus because he's happy there. But something was prompting him. God was prompting him to go somewhere else. So in this text, God uh, is saying, I want you to go to Jerusalem. So Paul calls the elders together and says, hey, God is moving me on. And Paul has this emotional farewell. And he says this in verses 22 through 24. He says this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Something is prompting him. Something is compelling him to do something different. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Is we have to understand the Spirit's prompting. Paul says in verse 22, And now, compelled by the Spirit... Something is compelling him. The Greek word for compelled is deo numa. And it simply stands this. Deo means compelled, bound, and it actually has a wrapping effect. And then the word numa is a spirit or it's explained as a current or a breeze. So when we get the definition in your outline, it says this. It's like a cord that's pulling you in a direction. So something has a tide around you and it's kind of pulling you in this direction. 
That's what Paul is saying is compelling him. He's not sure why it is. He kind of understands it's the Holy Spirit, but he's not understanding why he's being pulled here because he likes it in Ephesus. He loves where he's at. Paul says, I know I'm called to go, but I don't know all the details. What he does know is every city he goes to, it's threatened to be killed or put into prison. He understands that. But in life, we want details, don't we? We want to know what's going to happen before I do anything. So if I set out, I want to know how it's all going to turn out. Before I do anything, I want to know, is this going to be successful or not? Will I be safe? How many remember the movie with Jack Nicholson, A Few Good Men? Remember where Tom Cruise is in the courtroom and he asks Jack Nicholson, he wants the truth? What does Jack Nicholson say? You can't handle the truth. And you see, that's where God is, and God wouldn't say it like that. I think God would tell us, you want to know the details, my child? You can't handle the details. You see, and I think that's what God tells us. We want details, but God doesn't always give us those details. He says, understand, you don't need all the details. You don't need to know if it's going to be successful. You don't need to know you're going to be safe. You don't need to know exactly what's going to happen. But God says, you don't need to know the details. Maybe it's time simply to obey. That's what Paul's doing. He doesn't understand it all. But Paul's going to obey. Maybe it's time for us to obey. Maybe it's time for us to actually act upon something, to do something. Maybe it's time to start, God is saying, I want you to start this ministry, to help this ministry, to step up and say, I'm not sure about all this, but I'm willing to do whatever. I don't know if God wants me to do it. I don't know if I could teach this. I don't know if I could help with this. I don't know if I have the time to do this. And you don't know for sure, but you know God is calling you to do all these things. That's why Psalms 119, 105 says this. We read it earlier. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. I mean, what is God's word? It's a lamp. It's a light. It guides us. And like I said last Sunday, this light, this lamp, is not a spotlight. It doesn't shine for hundreds and hundreds of feet ahead of us. It's just enough to see the path that's right in front of you. What do we want? We want God to show us steps five, six, and seven. We want to know what that's going to look like. And what God is saying over here, he goes, no, my child, what you need to do, what you need to understand, I'm not going to show you five, six, and seven until you take step one, two, three, and four. Then you will see that. God's not going to show you the end result until you take those steps to start to get it done. And that's what Paul is understanding. But you'll sit here and you're going to tell me, but Kurt, I want to plan my life. Before I do anything, I've got to understand that everything's going to be okay. And the scripture says, nope. God says, scripture and me will determine your path. But Paul says, I know I am called. He says, I don't know or understand all the details, but I know I need to do this. So I'm going to ask you this question. What is your plan? Do you know what God's plan is for your life? Do we understand where God is leading us? last couple months as a, a church board, and we've kind of talked about it, we've kicked it around, about doing a vision casting time for the church. 
And people get nervous about vision casting because it takes time. It takes several weeks, it takes several hours each week to do this vision casting, not just with the board but with the congregation where we sit around and we say in five years, in three years, in one year, we want to see us at this point. And so many times, if we're not careful, as we're sitting here doing this, we say in three to five years, we want this, and all of a sudden, we want to be in the three to five years. We want to see what's going to look like. And so many times, we forget what's happening now. So what we have to do is as a congregation, through prayer, through fasting, through more prayer, we come up with this plan, this direction, this path to work towards it. And so many times we say, well, it's five years down the road that we want to do this, we want to do that. It may be this huge, big deal that we want to do. Maybe it's just something small. But we say we want to do this, but it's something we're working towards. But so many times we get so focused on what might happen in the future, we forget what needs to be done today. We learned this, I don't want to say the hard way, when I was at Hayworth, we set out this three- to five-year plan. And Hayworth was just beginning to grow a little bit. We had just remodeled, so we had a little bit of debt in our back pocket, but nothing huge. And the church was starting to grow, so our three-year plan was, in three years, we wanted to see a second service started. So we were going to do a first service, more traditional, a second service, more contemporary. We were going to do Sunday school in between. We were going to do all these things. That was three years down the road. Well, all of a sudden, the church started growing faster than we anticipated. So within that first year, instead of three years, that first year, we started two services because of the growth, because we had to. We didn't have a choice. Sanctuary held 220. We were running 180, 190. So we had to do something. And so understand, we can't focus on the, the end and forget about what's happening today. In your outline, it says this. We need a vision for the future. That's absolute. Maybe our plan needs to be that we are obedient today, first and foremost. We're obedient to what God wants us to do today. I may not be able to see the future, but I can be faithful in the next step. That's all God asks from us, is the next step, one step at a time. And again, you're going to sit here and say, I want certainty. Here's some certainty for you. All the certainty that we need. The Bible says God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. That he will guide your every step. So what's your plan? Maybe right now it's not living with uncertainty. But understand this. I think we have to have some uncertainty in our life. I think that's just the way life has to be. Because if you don't have any uncertainty, then you're not living on faith. And if you're not living by faith, we're not pleasing God. I mean, if our path is always smooth, if our path is always straight, if our path is always just perfect and have roses on every side and all those kinds of things, there's no faith in following that path. But there is when we don't know what's around the next corner. It is if we can't see five or six steps ahead of ourselves. And you're just a little more cautious, but you know God is with you. So first, you have the spiritual prompting. You have certain uncertainty. Well, also, number three, you have predictable resistance. And this is what I love. I love the predictable resistance because you know anytime you do something in your life, there's going to be a little resistance, whether it's from you or from somebody else, okay? Always going to happen. Paul said, all I know is that I'm being prompted. That's all he knows. And this is the Apostle Paul. 
So I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Prison and hardships. And sometimes we read through that today and we say, eh, no big deal. Yeah, Paul had prisons, he had hardships, and, and we're saying, yeah, you know, my air conditioning goes out every once in a while, and that's a hardship right there, you know. Or I don't have what, exactly what I want to eat at that point in time, that's hardship. And we say, really, it's no big deal. But what would happen today, and if we're not careful, it very easily could, we're at work one day. And somebody comes in, and you're on your break, and you actually maybe have your Bible out or your phone opened up to a Bible app reading a devotion, and you're arrested on the spot for doing exactly that. Or as we're sitting here worshiping on a Sunday, this army of militia comes in and arrests us all and literally puts a gun to our head and said, either deny Christ and live or get shot and die. That's a hardship, folks. That's a hardship. The problem today is some reason people, when things get difficult, they think and say, God must not be in this. You know, it's this big deal and it's a big event or a big thing we're trying to do. And all of a sudden we get a little kickback from it. All of a sudden we say, well, God must not be in it. When do you think the enemy attacks? When you're not doing anything? Uh, No, Satan loves it when we're not doing anything. He loves it when we're just sitting back, not doing anything. If you're taking notes, your enemy will resist what God leads you to do. Before it even gets done. Resistance is not necessarily a sign that you're out of God's will. Understand that. Resistance is a sign oftentimes that you're doing exactly what God has called you to do and need to be doing in your life. Because Satan is going to do everything he can Just because things are not going right doesn't necessarily mean you're out of God's will. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. So many times people start all this and they get a little resistance, they get a little kickback, maybe from their friends, from their coworkers, and all those other things. Then all of a sudden we decide it's not really worth it and we quit, we stop. See, our struggle is developing the spiritual strength that we need tomorrow. We have to trust the process. In other words, we're making a decision today to have that spiritual strength for tomorrow when we face this resistance. You see, we have this prompting. We have this certain uncertainty. We have this predictable resistance. Folks, it's not always going to be easy in life. We understand that. I mean, look back just real quick at Paul's life. Here's Paul, used to be Saul. Remember what he used to do before he became a Christian? He persecuted Christians. He was one of the most dangerous people of Christians. He had them stoned, he had them killed. Paul hated, or Saul hated, everything about Christians. Saul was actually the one that ordered Stephen's death in the Scripture. The process may be painful, but quitting doesn't speed things up. You see, Saul has this encounter with Jesus at one time, has this conversion. It's a powerful conversion. And people think that as soon as Paul had this conversion, this meeting with Christ, man, Paul was off to the races. That Paul automatically started building churches, automatically started preaching, automatically started doing all the things that he did. But understand, it didn't happen that way in Paul's life. 
Three years, it says, and this history is kind of fuzzy, and somebody else put all this together, but three years he was in Arabia studying. And all this whole time, he's wanting to preach. He's wanting to preach. Can I preach this weekend? No, not this weekend, Paul. Not going to happen. So for three years, he's wanting to do all these things. Finally, after three years, a church in Damascus says, sure, come. We want you to preach, Paul. He preaches, and afterwards, they want to kill him. They want to stone him, and they want to kill him. So he flees for his life. Three years of studying, three years of doing all this, not a great start to his ministry. He struggles. Even the Bible says he's making tents to pay the bills, to have a living. And he wants to continue preaching. Finally, after eight years, after this encounter with Jesus, Barnabas finally vouches for him. Finally, he gets his break. You see, he had the Spirit's prompting. He had certain uncertainty. He had predictable resistance. And in verse 24, he says this. After all this, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul's life may not have started well. His ministry may not have started well, but I guarantee you, Paul ended strong. He ended what he needed to do. What did Paul do? He wrote the majority of the New Testament. He started churches all across Asia, Minor, and Europe. You see, Paul didn't have a plan to succeed. His plan was simply to obey what God was calling him to do. Trust the process. If you're taking notes, it says this. He is doing something in you today because he wants to do something through you tomorrow. I think he's doing something to us right now because he wants to do something through us later. You may not know where you're going to end up ultimately. You can still be who God wants you to be today before you do what you want to do or what he wants you to do. And what we've got to be today is obedient. But what's my purpose and you may be asking yourself that same thing. Okay, Kurt, I understand this. I understand God has this path. God has this idea. God has this plan. But what is it? I'm going to tell you this morning, I think it's the same as what Paul's was. I think it is. To testify to the good news. Maybe you're making tents at this time, doing what other things. But whatever you do, we're doing it to the glory of God. And that's what's important. So we have the Spirit's prompting, certain uncertainty, predictable resistance, and the last one is this. For some reason, we have this uncommon confidence. Paul says, hey, I love where I'm at. I love it in Ephesus. It's a great place, but I've been prompted by the Spirit. So I think what Paul is saying is, you know, I could stay in Ephesus. I could fight this prompting. But he says, let's not make a name. Let's make a difference. I think Paul understood if he stayed in Ephesus, all he would be doing is making a name for himself. But he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to make a difference. You see, Paul was having this Deo Ho Numa moment. In other words, I don't know what's going to happen. I know there's going to be certain uncertainty. I know it's going to be difficult. I know there's going to be resistance. But Paul says, for some reason, I have this uncommon confidence. 
in your outline that says, when it is no longer about me and not to make a name for myself and we're making a difference, then it becomes all about Jesus. That's what it is. It's all about Jesus. Even though I know it may be bad, Paul says, even though I know I'm going to have difficult times, and even though I don't know all the details, don't miss what he says. However, I consider my life worth nothing. It's all worth nothing. His only aim is to finish the race and to finish the race strong because God has given him these things to do. My only goal is to finish, he says, the task of testifying to the good news. He even says this at the end. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I can only serve Jesus exactly where I'm at. Serving Christ where we're at right now, right here, doing what God has called us to do. The last thing in your outline says this. Step by step, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We make our plans. So as I close this morning, let me ask you this. Where is God leading you today? I'm not saying he's leading us over to Africa or some other place. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he may be calling us to be obedient where we're at right now. Are you feeling prompted by the Spirit to do something? To do anything? I think a lot of times, and I'm not being mean about this, you may take it as that, but I'm not. I think a lot of times the Spirit prompting needs to be a stick of dynamite under our backsides to get us up out of the pews, get us outside of the walls of the church to do what God has called us to do. Let me ask you this. What are you afraid of? If you truly ask God, God, where you want me to go? What path you want me to do? What are you truly afraid of? The change that's going to take place? The pushback you might get from your family and friends? The loss of status? Are you afraid of making a mistake? Maybe you're sitting here saying, you know, I understand, Kurt, but I've never done that before. Never done it. Maybe for some reason God is saying, you need to teach. Maybe it's just in VBS. Maybe it's on Wednesday night. And you say, man, I've never done that before. These kids scare me. They scare me too. Because they come up with some pretty good questions every once in a while. And there's sometimes I have to say, you know, I don't know. I go back and I look it up and I tell them the answer. They scare me. But what does God desire? You're thinking about something. What is it? So what do we do now? I think God is placing something on your heart to do, to go, to be. But what is it? See, when you figure it out, what you need to do is pray about it. You need to fast about it. You need to pray some more about it. And then pray some more about it. And pray some more about it until you're ready to take that step, to take that step where God is leading us and guiding us and directing us.